Hello and welcome to episode 10 of Dr. Kino's Film Emporium. We, this week we have, uh, as usual, uh, a guest with a very special film which they feel is uh, underrated, underappreciated or just plain under the radar. And all the way from Exeter via Cardiff is Dr. Lisa Stead. I can see her just coming down the road, hair flaming in the uh, dying sunlight of the evening. Oh, and here she is. Lisa, hello. Welcome to the Emporium. Hi, thank you for having me. You're most welcome. I see you've got an interesting looking film under your arm. Just tell me what it's uh, briefly about this film, first of all. Um, it's about beauty queens, but don't uh, let that put you off. Indeed. It's, it's Technically, it's about a beauty pageant in the middle of nowhere America. and But it's also a mockumentary and it's also kind of a murder farce. Mm. So it's a few interesting things going on there. Yeah. And when was, when was this film released? Um, 1999. Okay, and what's it called? Drop Dead Gorgeous. Of course it is. Right, fantastic. Before we get stuck into that, let's find out a little bit more about uh, about your, your personal film experiences. So, please, take a seat, hang up your coat, and there's a no- nice pair of, uh, of wing-back leather chairs that we, we like to have in the Emporium, so make yourself comfy. Thank you. So, you're welcome. And this is a question we always ask, and it's, it's usually quite an interesting one, uh, because we've had an occasion... Some people have actually had to go back to their mum to find out what film they saw, uh, first of all, as a child. Uh, so, Lisa, what was the first film you saw as a child at the cinema? Do you know, I've been thinking about this, and I, it strikes me that I just have a terrible memory, because the one I remember, I must have been 10 when okay. it came out. So, <laughs> almost a small adult. but um, Indeed. The first thing I can remember was seeing... The Nightmare Before Christmas at Whoa. Swindon uh, Multiplex. Okay, interesting. Oh, That's a memorable film. Mm, okay. Yeah, it's because um, our family had a ritual. When, when we were smaller, our family had a ritual of trying to wear us out on Christmas Eve by taking us to the woods. And then when we got bigger, that stopped working. So they decided to take us to the cinema on Christmas Whoa, 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 so. sorry. I've just got to backpedal here a minute. Your family had a tradition of taking you out to the woods on Christmas Eve. <laughs> Could you, you leave us there? Really? I was going to say, this is going to turn into some kind of folk horror thing. <laughs> <laughs> so Nightmare Before Christmas was pretty like, yeah, that's yeah, that's that's my family Christmas. Or anyway, that's Christmas Eve for me. <laughs> I suppose there is a trajectory there, isn't it? I, I definitely. <laughs> <Go on. laughs> yeah, and then it just became, what can you do on Christmas Eve with the wound up kids? Sure. And it, it was taken to the cinema and give them popcorn. And, and that was the first thing I remember seeing. And then it became an odd family ritual of watching that film on VHS Okay. Um, Christmas Eve. And I actually remember the last time I saw my grandfather when he came to visit, mm-hmm. he sat up and watched it with me oh. and said absolutely nothing, didn't comment in any way, mm-hmm. <laughs> then just left at sort of one in the morning. And then, you know, I don't know if he enjoyed it or not, really. Blimey. That is, yeah, <laughs> crikey. It's a hell of a film as well, especially for a 10-year-old, I think. Um, yeah. Were you scared by it? I don't think so. I mean, I, I think I had quite macabre tastes anyway as a 10-year-old, okay. so... And there's nothing Worryingly, wrong with that. I don't think I was scared by it, actually, yeah. Okay. Smashing. Um, so, this set, obviously, you know, the room, this, and it's a memorable film, obviously, Tim, one of Tim Burton's best. Um, school and college, were you aware of film as a sort of, as an actual art form in its own right? What, what was sort of leading you towards a, more of an academic interest into film and media? I think I was, it's a good question. I'm not sure how I ended up doing film studies. I was an English student primarily but um it was just one of those obsessions I think the thing was when I was 
a young teenager there was the local video library that's what mm. we call it in the south oh yeah <laughs> um the you know really really naff video library but to me that was kind of a portal into somewhere else or a okay. windowless shop that had everything and everything you could imagine and i just remember spending a lot of time in there just looking at things on the shelf and my family were very much like you do not watch a 15 until you are 15. Mm -hmm. so there were all these kind of hidden things that i wanted to know more about so i mm -hmm. think that's what kind of sparked my interest was partly okay. because it was forbidden things and partly because it was just a slightly magical place mm -hmm. a very common very common uh, perception of video stores and of course forbidden fruit is always the uh, much more attractive mm -hmm. yes excellent so talk me through um your degree was um, it english was it film or it was english and film ah actually, and that, and that like was film. where that was at exeter where i now teach ah that is okay so it's almost like you come like full circle in a way yeah it's quite sad really actually <laughs> is it oh, that's some it's... of the things that i was taught <laughs> so it's a strange feeling but okay um, yeah so i did i did that degree and then when i finished that i was going to do an ma mm -hmm. and i was torn between doing becoming a medievalist okay or becoming a film scholar and i don't i think the reason i did film was just because i was dating someone who went to the uni same university and i was like oh they didn't really do what i want to do so i'll do film <laughs> <laughs> So, you know, I made good informed adult choices. Absolutely, yes. A good career choice, you know, you know, based on all the sort of rational, yeah. <laughs> but those those things can be really happy accidents as well, yeah, I think. Definitely. So, you know, sometimes you have to follow your heart and, you know, even though you may not be like it at the time, you think, yeah, that's actually turned out rather well. Good. Yeah, absolutely. So it got you through to a PhD as well. So tell me about your thesis. What was your thesis on? Oh, my thesis. So my thesis was about literary cultures of cinema so it was basically about women's writing between the wars mm -hmm. in england and anything in that mix of genres and mix of high lowbrow middlebrow stuff that mm -hmm. talks about cinema going so mm. it was it's kind of a, a literary study but the subject is film okay so any instance where you have women describing going to the picture palace or being film fans or just talking about how it's part of everyday life mm -hmm. Um, throw some names at me, throw some examples, because this is an area I don't know much about. Um, so from the sort of highbrow modernist end, you have people like Virginia Woolf, mm -hmm. um, who has a famous essay on cinema ah, uh, from, I think, I, 26. I knew that she went to lighthouses, <laughs> but yes, I, didn't know, I didn't know she went to the cinema as well. I thought that's, <laughs> well, I that would be too too much like popular culture <laughs> for her, but <laughs> I'm clearly... I think I'm, she I'm, was a member of... Um, the Film Society oh. in London, which showed, you know, uh, international film, avant-garde film. Ah, okay. So Wolf talks a little bit, a little bit about cinema, and then you have kind of middle-brow writers like Elizabeth Bowen, who writes a great deal about. She writes about cinema itself, but she also writes cinema into a lot of her narratives, where many mm -hmm. of her characters go to picture palaces and kind of key events and interactions happen in those spaces. Mm. So film is a key, key theme, key trope yeah. in her work. Okay, okay. Yeah, interesting. And there's um, so you get your you get your thesis, you get your PhD. You're now Dr. Lisa Stead. What happens next? A few years of being an ECR and temporary contracts and mm. lodging and not having much money yeah. or hope. Um, uh -huh. And then I did, yeah, I was a teaching fellow for a while, and then and then I just got lucky really that uh, a post came up, and then I became a lecturer in British cinema specifically. Mm -hmm. And that was at Exeter. So I was there for a couple of years doing that. Mm -hmm. And then I was at UEA for about a year. And then I, in an unusual move, came back to Exeter. And I've been there mm -hmm. for, I think this is my third or fourth year since mm -hmm. uh, coming back. Okay. 
What um so with film, what's what was the film that really lit a fire under you in terms of like this is this is like a sort of watershed film? Do you know, I was thinking about this this morning and I was struggling to think of something and then what I actually remembered most was um technology more than a film. So mm-hmm. when I was about I guess I would have been about sixteen, it was when the Blair Witch project came out. Oh, remember, oh yeah. <laughs> so I remember saving up every meagre amounts of money every week for a long time to buy a DVD player, which was a new thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and I went to Dixon's with the pennies, bought this really ugly, it looked like C3PO, this massive gold funky <laughs> piece of crap. And then, you know, proudly took it home, plugged it in. And then the DVDs, there weren't that many DVDs out at that time. No, there weren't. One no. of them was Blair Witch. And I put it in the machine and it wasn't even the film. It was the Pathé logo at the mm-hmm. beginning that the resolution and the quality, I'd never seen anything like it. And I just mm-hmm. remember thinking, wow. <laughs> and I remember that more than I remember watching the movie. Okay. So there was something there about, I guess, kind of paratext and the the frames through which you experience film is sure. just as interesting to me as the text themselves. Sure. I, I found like DVD just deeply fascinating at that time. Okay. Yeah, because at the cinema you don't get the director's cut, you don't get DVD extras. Um, yeah. So like famously, like Simon Pegg and Edgar Wright, they love their DVD extras. Yeah, even though yeah. a lot of people are consuming stuff on Netflix these days. Yeah, it's kind of a lost mm. um, blip, isn't it? Of that Very much so, yeah. Archive that you used to get in a in Definitely, a yeah, definitely. No. So with Blair Witch being a, a mockumentary, it's quite a nice segue into your film. So... This is from roughly the same, about a year beforehand, isn't it? Drop Dead Gorgeous. So I think it's the same year. Same year. Okay, I know, I know absolutely nothing about this film apart from what I've read on Wikipedia, so I am totally in your hands. <laughs> Tell me about this film. It's just one of those films where... So I was re-watching it today, and it kind of horrified me how I could quote the entire script as it was happening. And it, it just made me think, well, this is really lodged in my psyche somewhere very, very firmly. Um and it came out, I guess, when I was a teenager. So it must have been sort of 16, 15, 16. Mm-hmm. And I remember watching it at a sleepover at someone's house or something like that. Mm-hmm. And it's just one of those movies that at the time that it was released didn't do very well critically at all and was kind of critiqued for being not as sophisticated as it thought it was and not mm. having a very good script. Yeah, um, but it's I one do. of those things that I just think is the funniest film ever and really dark and really sick and twisted, which is exactly my kind of thing. Okay. And, and, and not, a, not yeah. a few other people's as well, I imagine, because it's, well, yeah. it's got a bit of a cult following, hasn't it, I understand. That's the thing. It's kind of, you know, me saying that it's overlooked is that uh, other people have recently, um, you know, made the same argument that, you know, this film is definitely worth looking at again. And I think it's been kind of revisited critically as a cult classic now, but mm-hmm. it certainly wasn't for a long time. Mm. And it's got this stellar, it's got really famous people in it. As yes, well. it's a brilliant cast. It's, a, you know, you've got Alison Janney, you've got Denise Richards, Kirsten yep. Dunst, there's, you know, and it's and it's it's mainly women as well, isn't it? The women yes. are very much yep. foregrounded in this. Yeah, Amy Adams, tiny yeah. baby Amy Adams. Mm-hmm. So yeah. the um, so it's written by. Do you know? I actually don't know. It's one of those again, another film that I just don't know that much about because it, it it's always been like if you said it, no one knows what you're talking about. Mm-hmm. Okay. I often ask people if they watched it, and I was looking at the credits today, and the director kind of hasn't really done. I think this is the only feature film that he made. Yeah, pa- Michael. Sorry, TV. Michael Patrick Jan. I think he's yeah. a sort of he's like a jobbing, he's kind of like a jobbing TV director of comedy. So he's done yeah. a lot of different comedies. I think Community is one of them. Mm. Um, yes. Yeah. Yeah, and it's Lona Williams who's, who wrote it. So I think the script came in for a little bit of a 
um, of criticism from those, you know, film gods like Roger Ebert, whatever. Um, but you know, this is this is the film is more than just a script, though, isn't it? So but the script the, is great. So this is it. So you know, it's like, what do you know? What do you critics know? Um, the are the cast having fun with this? Because this is this is very much a, a, a you know a film about femininity. Would you, is that fair enough to say? Yeah, kind of. I mean, I think it's a film about being. It's a film about being stuck in a situation that limits you and being a weirdo mm -hmm. and finding some way to make life worth living. Because mm -hmm. so basically, it's in it's in Minnesota, and it's just like an absolutely nothingy, relatively poor town, and mm -hmm. you have all those hierarchies that translate. You know, I grew up in rural Wiltshire, and it mm. feels the same, even though yeah. it's completely different. So yeah, you have yeah. Like the richest family in the town. You have the trailer park kids. You have everything in between, and um, it's just it's kind of follows a rivalry between the daughter of the pageant organizer, who is just. To set to win because it's yeah. rigged and okay, then the daughter sure. of um, her kind of rival who uh, lives in a trailer park played by Kirsten Dunst and is very earnest very ambitious wants to be a news anchor when she grows up mm -hmm. and the leader of the pageant is slowly bumping off the competition throughout okay. the entire <laughs> and uh, it just has it just has it's so bizarre I think what I love about it is that it's it's just really weird and it, it's mm. mockumentary structure feels quite fresh from that okay. period as a teen movie because it's kind of up against you think about teen movies from the 90s and sure you know 10 things i hate about you and all those kind of things that you know yeah. i definitely have a passion for mm -hmm. but i didn't see myself in anything like that and something no. like Drop Dead gorgeous which is about beauty queens in america yeah feels really queer to me feels really it's just very funny and very dark Okay. I mean, the thing, the film I'm thinking of as you're describing is Heather's. Is that, there's yes. that, is that, is that same kind of, you know, that black comedy and the, yeah. you know, the violence and actually Christian Slater's character bumping them off actually elevates his sort of victims to, you know, sort of, it, it, it's, uh, it turns around on him, you know, more than them. Yeah. So, yeah. So there's this, there's a, is there a knowingness and irony in the sort of treatment of the whole beauty pageant thing? Because, the American dream is, you know, you can be anything, you can reinvent yourself and you, know, you can be a success, etc. But is that shown particularly strongly here? Or, yeah, I or think so. I mean, I guess, you know, Heather's it has more to say probably than this film. Okay. And it, it, but I think the problem is this film gets dismissed as being kind of crass and not as clever as it thinks it is. But I still mm. think it has an awful lot to say if you look at it in a slightly different way. Mm of you look at the sideline characters and invest more in them it, mm -hmm. it, it's much more interesting so you have um britney murphy's character who's this you know how britney murphy in the 90s is just always herself she's yeah. just the same character in all these different yeah it's like sean connery isn't it he just plays sean connery but it's britney yeah, murphy yeah. just plays britney murphy yeah. exactly so you just have her being her and she's just so inherently weird and then you have kind of like um like a sexed up cheerleader played by mm -hmm. amy adams which is just hilarious because it's amy adams Okay, and it's her and first film, got... isn't it? I think. Oh, is it? I didn't know that. I think so. Yeah, uh, let me just um, let me just check on on good old Wikipedia. I think it's her first film. So yeah, and she was um, yeah seventy. This is uh, she's more seventy four. So yeah, she's sort of twenty about twenty five, twenty four, twenty five when this is made. I think she nearly gave up acting um, because she really wasn't getting anywhere. So no way. Yeah, yeah, it was. Um, she's having a terrible time. 
trying to break in, and I think it might have been one of her first films. So, and thank goodness she did. She did stick with the, you know, stay the distance because she um, she's made some tremendous stuff since, and, and shows shows a great range as well. So I know because you wouldn't kind of not that you wouldn't know it, but in this film she has she has really good comic timing. Yes, um, but she's kind of a minor character, and I can see how ah. she would have ended up being typecast as the pretty girl. Yeah, but you know that's not how her career is. Yeah, she is. Um, it's interesting to see who's 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 become someone. Mm-hmm. Sorry, no, name. that's okay. No, just I've just found out it is her first role, her film debut, the black comedy in nineteen ninety nine, Drop Dead Gorgeous. So, okay, so she's got a minor role. What what is Denise Richards like in this? Actually, really good. So, okay, you because if you put her in the right thing. Yeah, yeah, this is exactly, yeah, 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 go on. She's very, like, again, actually, her her timing is much better than you would expect it to be. Mm-hmm. And, like, I mean, she kind of fits the character. So she plays the the, the bitchy rich girl. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, but the, but she does, she does play it with wit. So she's, a, she's kind of the president of the gun club, president oh, okay. of the kind of Christian association. She's mm-hmm. all the things, but she's also, like, a scheming murderess. Okay evil but but manages to play off those two things really well and kind mm-hmm. of trade on her star image i guess in that period i mean the only yeah. things i've seen her in really apart from this are i suppose wild things and james bond which are not mm. great calling cards for her no she's very good in this okay because in, in um, starship troopers um oh, yes. she was yeah that's roughly about a year or two beforehand wasn't it in 97 mm. i think um so she didn't really have much to do in that role uh, as a pilot but no. yeah Okay, but it sounds like she had a bit more fun with this one. And just looking down, I mean, Alison Janney, just a fabulous actress, you know, fantastic in I, Tonya, mm. which I saw the other night, which is as the dreadful mother. Um, and, but also <laughs> Kirstie Alley as well, and Ellen Barkin. So there's some really, yeah. you know, there's some serious um, talent here. I know, I know. There's real kind of power-hitting uh, mm. actors in it, and they all, Kirstie Alley's hilarious in it, just playing the the, the former beauty queen. Ah, yes. Obsessive. It's just kind of like power in a small environment where it's just yeah. so petty. Yeah, um, and Alison Janney is the constantly breaking is is probably the only character that talks to camera relentlessly through the whole thing. It keeps breaking so, a fourth wall. Yeah, yeah, because I mean, okay. is it is it set up like a documentary? So they did like, okay. interview pieces, yeah. but she's constantly kind of like talking to the cameraman and trying to proposition the cameraman. Exactly. Okay, having a lot so, of fun again. Yeah. yeah. Mm. <laughs> so um, Ellen Barkin is uh, Kirsten's mum. I think yes. is, it, is it is this the trailer trash? Or... Yes. Okay. She is her mum, so she uh, they have a very sweet relationship. She does end at one point with a beer can fused to her hand when someone sets fire to the trailer. So she's right. the last half of the film with this can attached to her hand. Oh, the god, no. Um, yeah, but they're quite a convincing mother and daughter, actually. They okay. very much like each other. Yes, I, mean, I was going to say, yeah, yeah there's definite resemblance there. Kirsten Dunst role, because yeah. I think Kirsten Dunst is sort of has the potential to be like annoyingly earnest that mm. works really well in this role that mm. you're kind of rooting for her, but you also just want to, you kind of want the evil ones to win. Yeah. Um, which is always a good sign. Um, I think of a film, if you, if it gets, it sort of undermines your, you know, your expectations. Yeah. In that sense. Excellent. So the, the comedy is fairly dark. Um, mm. Not everyone's cup of tea necessarily, but you said it's also got a streak of weirdness in it. Is it just that sort of slightly surreal, small-town American kind of weirdness? Or... Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And, and just the structure of it, the cutaways where they have interviews with the different characters. Some, 
I think it's because some of the characters are not very strongly motivated. Is you kind of think, well, why would you pick this as a comedy character? It's just really mm. bizarre. And then the cutaways are so odd and offbeat, and they sort of make no apology for being so. That it's just I can see it being the kind of humour that would turn you on or off. You'd either think yeah. it's really funny, or you would just think nothing of it. It's a bit marmite. Have, yeah. Yeah, they have like you know they have um, the different people that are competing are all just different characters in a small town so you've got um Kirsten Dunst's character who's the kind of very sweet ambitious poor girl you've got Denise Richards who's the rich spoiled girl then you've got Brittany Murphy whose parents only had her because her brother needed a kidney <laughs> who's <laughs> okay. that, that they don't like or care about sure. obsessed with Broadway um and then you've got uh the earnest English student who's kind of a nothingy character and then you have a a, a random character who's obsessed with dogs mm. it just it's that like best in show kind of mm, mm. very sort of in some ways kind of I don't know what the word for it is kind of lazy or gentle but you have to really invest in it to find it really funny. Yeah does it um it sounds like it sort of it rewards repeat viewing. Definitely because the, especially the structure of the jokes which sure because sometimes it gets criticized for being you know the script isn't that good or but I think what I really love about it is that they'll they set up these two parters where they'll say something and then and then the add-on is always really funny and you know there's a bit mm -hmm. where um one of the judges is uh talking about how now he's been asked to be a judge he can finally you know they're going to use the money to buy a proper headstone for their mum and then they okay. add something else and like and then move her out <laughs> move her out of the house into the graveyard oh okay yeah that's sort something of something darker or something yeah that gets tacked onto the end bit of a sting in the tail yeah. yeah i'm just reading the wikipedia entry um it's Aston Janney uh stated in 2011 that she's approached by more fans of this film than for anything she did in the west wing which i think is really okay. interesting also um it's it says july 2019 the movie was released for streaming for the first time on hulu which was met with a host of celebratory tweets particularly amongst women and queer people who've long recognized it as a cult classic yeah i remember um, when that happened and i was really surprised to hear that other people felt about it the same way because again yeah. it's a film that no one ever seems to know what i'm talking about when i say it absolutely the 20th anniversary of the movie's release apparently attracted a slew of retrospective praise from the likes of wait for it the independent the guardian Teen Vogue, The New Yorker, and E! News. Uh, the New Yorker's Gia Tolentino credited the movie's transformation from a flop to a, quote, venerated artefact of Y2K camp, <laughs> to its slow discovery on VHS and DVD by teenage girls, who identified with its truthfulness and particular brand of dark humour. Tolentino summed up the movie as, quote, offensive for sure, completely awful, really and possibly deadly. It's also irreplaceable, hilarious, surprisingly tender, and lavishly, magnificently absurd. Would you agree with that, Lisa Stead? Yeah, completely. Fantastic. Definitely, I mean, it is really offensive. Watching it back now, some mm. of the, you just, it's cringe, some of the language and, the, <laughs> but it, but it's very, yeah, it's kind of very of that period. Yeah, does he get away with it? Definitely the word. Yeah, it does get away with it. Yeah, but it's interesting if you show it to someone who hasn't ever seen it before. Mm. I think that it's hard, slightly harder to swallow. Okay. Um, but yeah, absurd and yeah, there is something very it is very camp because it's essentially about like these kind of diva esque middle aged women. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> kind of um, you know making the most out of the very limited power that they have battling sure. against each other but it's it's also very i think it's so queer because it's just about a bunch of weirdos being stuck mm. in with no real opportunity and there are limited means to make yourself exceptional and one of those means is, is you know that kind of high camp of a pageant 
Mm. Um, well, Adam White um, would certainly agree, I think. He's, he said he's praised the movie's radical departure from light-hearted teen movies in the late 90s, stating that it was made for a generation of freaks and outsiders whose ambitions, oddities, queerness and poverty were otherwise ignored by anything similarly mainstream or funny. He added that it was acidic and truthful about beauty, class and ambition, and satirised all American moralism, and blew up Denise Richards, then fresh from Wild Things, as she wrote a giant Pepe Mache swan, <laughs> which I think uh, I think I'd see it for that alone. <laughs> yeah, bad things occur with that. Oh, it sounds like it. Yes. Okay. <laughs> um, Lisa, I think you have absolutely persuaded Dr. Kino to put this in, in the front window of the Emporium. Oh, it's a it's a goer, drop dead gorgeous. So, this was uh, made in 1999, by the sounds of it, and yeah. it's yeah, it's uh, it's definitely been re released. I think for 20 years. So there's a definite audience for this. Um, very always always um, happy to uh, to take on recommendations uh, for this sort of thing. So drop dead gorgeous from 1999, and it's a dark, campy um, beauty pageant satire. Uh, with Amy Adams' first appearance, oh, first film. Fantastic. Lisa, thank you so much uh, for sharing your film with us and uh, for sharing your other details as well. Um, you've, uh, you've got your film into the Emporium. Congratulations. Thank you. No problem at all. Uh, would you be up for another uh, visit to the Emporium? At some yeah, point? of course, absolutely. Wonderful. Uh, have a think, Con, and uh, we will get back to you in due course. Fabulous, thank you. Thank you. Cheers, take care. And that was Dr. Lisa Stead from Exeter University with her choice, Drop Dead Gorgeous from 1999. Uh, please do uh, join us for our next uh, episode, number 11, which will be coming out very soon. Thanks very much for listening and enjoy your films. Take care. Bye-bye.